Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. And welcome to our second week of our month of love. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody laughed at it. I'm happy about that. Uh, I'm your host, Nick Jenkins, and today we are joined by Matthew Gatos. Hi. Nicole Sweeney. Hello. And Rachel... Rachel... Ro- <laughs> Ray Romano. Ray Romano, everybody. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Calderon like. Navarro. Hi. What's up? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's Friday and I'm tired. But uh, this week, in our second week of the month of Lerve on uh, Real Bad, we are talking about the highly romantic film, well. Fifty Shades <laughs> of Grey. Uh, That's Nick, one way to put yeah. it. I don't know, Nick. I don't do romance, so <laughs> I don't know if I can be on this episode. Yeah. I also don't do romance. Hearts and flowers, so. not my thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. 20... I do romance. <laughs> this movie does not. Also, I, to be clear, yes, I also do do romance. That was my Christian Grey impress- impression. Oh, I'd forgotten. Oh, yes. yeah. 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 I, I actually don't do romance, so. Um, <laughs> great start we have. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Knocking this one out of the park. Uh, 2015's Fifty Shades of Grey, of course, uh, an adaption of a fanfic um, by E.L. James. Which it's an is adaptation of a novel, which is itself an adaptation a of a fanfic. Turned, yes, yes. Just so we're clear, Nicole volunteered for this one long ago, and and we found out today why. We're going to be talking a lot to Nicole. Um, <laughs> I'll be this. good over here. I'm just going to be quiet the whole time. <laughs> Did I volunteer on this one? Was yeah. that like, okay? Was I just coerced? Into yeah, this? well, because like which would you're, be fitting. You're like you're gonna do Fifty Shades of Grey this week. Is that a, is that cool? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I I I remembered I had put my name on it like a year and a half ago. Yeah, it yeah. was when we started. It was one of the first most m- obvious yeah, yeah. things yeah. to put on the spreadsheet. Um, and I think the idea was a Valentine's Day thing. And this is the episode that's going up closest to Valentine's Day. So this is our Valentine's Day episode. Woo! Woo! Right on, right on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a lot to talk about with this movie, so I don't want to take too long uh, to get started. So before we get into it, we need to do a 60-second plot dump. That person is going to be Rachel. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Nothing happens in this movie, so it's either very easy or very hard. Yeah. And that's most things, I feel like, are very easy or very hard. Man, I practiced for uh, Cat in the Hat, (laughs) but I forgot to practice for this one. I was just so disheveled. This movie is slightly more sexual than Cat in the Hat. But only slightly, because Cat in the Hat is weird. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Uh, 60-second plot dump for Fifty Shades of Grey in three, two, one. Anastasia, a college almost graduate, needs to help her roommate and go interview uh, Dorian Gray, Christian who, Gray. <laughs> who is who is a hotshot young wealthy man in charge of a company. I don't know what he does. Um, then he interviews her, or I mean, other way around, and somehow sparks fly and then uh, the movie is about how she wants to be in a relationship with this guy who also likes to do uh, 
sexual stuff. <laughs> uh, but he doesn't want a relationship per se, and then it ends weird. <laughs> it ends on like a door closed, and I was like, wait, was that the end? You call those I, curb hangers uh, yeah, on, on Snark Squad? That's like, they're cliffhangers, but like nothing dramatic has actually happened. It's yeah. not really a cliff? Yeah, it's yeah. not an actual cliff. It's like a hill that went down, but it, the hill was like... Very gradual. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a driveway. Like a light yeah, it's there. a driveway. That's why I was talking to, Sam was talking to me about watching this movie, and he was like, yeah, Rachel was in the other room watching it, I just heard, what? When it ended. <laughs> I looked down at my phone when she got into the elevator, and I looked up, and the credits were rolling. And I was like, what? Wait. Wait. <laughs> I gotta go back. What happened? <laughs> I saw her say his name, and I thought, okay, we're entering the third act. Yeah. Is oh, no. Is, uh, yeah. That's what I thought, because I was like, okay, here's the major problem, yeah. and then in the third act, they're gonna either something I, but it didn't it just stopped I'm yeah. not saying that's bad I'm saying that's what happened <laughs> it definitely like for some reason it reminded me of uh, Lord of the Rings uh, and I know this is a really Go on. weird okay. uh, or maybe I'm thinking of the Matrix one of those ends has like the second part of the trilogy ends in like as if they had made them together and then they cut it in half and the ending is kind of like not really a cliffhanger, or it's, it is kind of a cliffhanger, but like it just ends, and not then because like you one. know the second movie is coming mm. out like really soon. I feel like uh, also a movie that reminds me of that is like Pirates of the Caribbean two, is like nothing but filler, and at the very <laughs> end they're like, ah, oh, something cool is gonna happen, so that you want to come back for the next one. Yeah, and that's how I feel like this just it ends, and then you're like, oh. Oh, okay, so I'm supposed to want to come back and watch more of them, I guess. Yeah. It's like, that's the cliffhanger. Well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> I tell you, I'm probably not going to have the other two on this podcast. But I bet they're worse. Okay, I'm going to just throw it out there. Uh, I'm very curious to watch the other two, or at least the second one, just to see how the like if there's a tonal shift, because this one was directed by a woman, and then the other Sam two Taylor Johnson. were uh, directed by men, so or like the same man. So I don't know. I think there's a lot to unpack here. I want to do a little bit of a history with Nicole because Nicole, you have an interesting history with this book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, t- how did how did it come into your life? Uh, my best friend and collaborator started recapping the first book on our blog, uh, and then I eventually joined her. So we went through the entire trilogy on the blog chapter by chapter. Uh, so like it was for, I don't know, a little over two years, Fifty Shades of Grey was my brand on the internet. <laughs> uh, earlier today, Nick and I were discussing things. He's like, yeah, something like casting stuff. And I was like, no, oh no, Nick, I, I know. Like, I, <laughs> in fact, I hear, let me link you to the blog post we wrote about the initial casting announcement. Like, this was, like, we spent a lot of time talking about this stupid book. And there's like meta layers, like, like layers to me being here now, because when we were recapping it, I also had 
like experience with the Twilight fandom too. So while we were recapping the books, I was also pointing out all of the like bad Twilight connections. Uh, like this is who this like this is the where this like the plot beat that this is attempting to track in Twilight. So uh, this is. This is like my moment where all this useful information that's been or useless information that's been living in my brain is finally going to become useful for something. You heard it here. <laughs> is this the first time you've watched the movie? Yes, because oh. the movie. Yeah, I had never. I I didn't watch the movie. I watched the trailer. So when I moved to Missoula, I like basically stopped doing Snark Squad stuff for a while, and so this movie came out. Uh, the February after I got here. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. yeah. So like I was keeping up with stuff up until basically the end of 2014. Like we, I don't know, we had a couple. I went back and looked through the blog. I was like, when was the last thing that I did before I disappeared? Because they went on and they recapped. She rewrote this book from Christian's perspective as well. Uh, so they, re- they reviewed that book? Did they make that as yes. a movie? No. Because the movie is, it's the same thing okay because it's literally because the book that you are in Anna's head which right. is a bad place to be uh, and then she's like what if we went to a worse place and we were in Christian <laughs> right <head?" laughs> I knew about I knew about the Christian point of view and I was like oh boy it, but what? it's like it's the same events though so it's like there's no just, just different narration yes it's how he yeah. feels about these yes. instead of Anastasia yes. oh if there's one thing I don't care about yep. at all is Christian's <laughs> point of view on anything true <laughs> yeah that, that's very very true um so uh, just so we have a little bit of clarity here, the, I wish I could share my my brain process when I was watching this <laughs> with everyone because I was so confused. I was watching and I was going, I don't understand how this was a fanfic of Twilight. Like I I don't I, I my uh, my exposure to fan fiction is so very limited. Mm-hmm. I like fan fiction. I've read mm-hmm. I've read some fan fiction and I I don't I am not begrudging fan fiction at all. I think it's really cool and I think some great ideas happen that way. So, uh, but I was sitting there trying to figure out how in any way this linked to Twilight. And then I found out it's what Nicole describes as it's AU, AU fanfic, so alternate universe fanfiction. So, so you the, take the you take yeah. the same characters and you you set, put them in a completely different setting. So in this case, what she did was say, okay, what if they're instead of vampire instead of Edward being a vampire, Edward is super into BDSM, and that's there's no and he's supernatural. A and he's, yeah, and they well, because no, he's super rich in the books too. <laughs> right, the, the family right, is all yeah. yeah. So it's oh, that's right. Yes, except he drove like a Volvo. There, yeah, yeah like, <laughs> you know, they, they were discreet rich. <laughs> they had people. a very nice house though. Yeah, that is super in the nice steamy house. city of Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, because they were in Oregon in the was Bend. No, not Bend. What city are they in? In Fork, Forks. Fork, Washington, <laughs> Washington. That's also, that's also Washington. Ah, it's all Washington. God Everything takes it. place in Washington. Yeah, but that's the thing. Part so, of which takes place in Portland. I assume in the fanfic probably also took place in in, in, Forks. in Forks, but then like they made a bunch of like really I don't know. It was just like Control F, uh, <laughs> like find, find replace, replace, find yeah. and replace like yeah. a handful of 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 like terms and things like that. Replace all, right. all Bellas with Anna's. Go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Replace all uh, Edwards with Christian. Go. Yes. Jacob with all Jose. Twilight stuff so I can sell this book. Correct. Yes. Yep. So that Stephanie Meyer won't sue us. Yeah. <laughs> which is another weird thing about E.L. James, which is her pen name, correct? Yes. Yeah. Pen name. So uh, apparently E.L. James threatened to sue uh, <coughs> Stephanie Meyer when Stephanie Meyer was going to write a book from Edwards' perspective. <laughs> that was... Her writing... 
Midnight. It was called Midnight Sun, and yeah. she wrote it before before Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, okay. She was like halfway through writing it, and then it leaked. Oh man, this is so <laughs> like all of this information. It's there. It's been swimming in my brain for so long. Stephanie Meyer had written like a half of Midnight Sun, and then it leaked, and everybody read it. And then she was really upset with people for reading her work before she was ready for them to read it. So she published. She wrote this whole blog post about how she had been betrayed by the fans, and she refused to finish writing it. Um, so that was pre Fifty Shades okay. of Grey. Okay. So cry, baby. There are a couple things that are I, I understand, and there are a couple things that I'm like, what? Yeah. That's like, like a whole separate thread. Yeah, I understand somebody going. I wasn't ready to be seen. Sure, there. That's what happens with a lot of like uh, movies that leak. It's like ah, the effects aren't done, so this is going to create bad. Vibes, and if your novel isn't ready to be seen by people, I'm, you know, this also editing is a very important. Step. Yeah, yeah, it's a very important. Step. Anyway, regardless, so she put the th- she put it up in the blog post when she was like, "I'm no longer going to write this." But like here, if you are a fan of me and you didn't want to read it, now that I'm not going to write it anymore, it doesn't matter. So here's the half finished thing that I did. Seems petty, but okay, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, this isn't a Twilight. We want to do Twilight at some point on here, but. The, the, today we're talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. Sexy Twilight. I would like Sexy to be Twilight. on the Twilight. Just, <laughs> just going to throw that one out there. Too. I also would like to be on the Twilight oh one. Um, <laughs> but, okay, so, Nicole, you've got a pretty rich experience yes, with Fifty Shades. I'm ready. Uh, Matt, what's your experience with Fifty Shades? Uh, pretty much non-existent. Uh, I knew what most of society knew when it was, like, kind of leaking out into the ether and... It was mommy porn, mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. is like... Oh, don't say it that way. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, like how it was described. Really? Yeah. It's not mom porn, it's mommy porn? <laughs> that's the problem for you. <laughs> yeah, there's something weird. I don't know. Mom porn sounds worse to me. Nah. Uh, <laughs> see, because mom porn sounds like porn with moms in it, and mommy porn sounds like porn for moms. I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I'm like, Do you Nick, know what though. movie we're talking about, Nick? <laughs> I don't, There's going to be so many inappropriate things said in this episode. Oh, we're going down a road here that oh, we can't man. come back from. No. This is a hole that we're digging. But it, <laughs> yeah, that? like, this is the book that it was the closest thing to porn that your mom would read. Like, was the whole thing. Yeah. And people would see, like, older women on the bus reading it and they're like take a picture of her and post it online and kind of things like that and, and it's ooh. like yeah it's yeah. it was that sort of safe risque uh kind of thing and that's as much as i knew about it i heard the book was awful from what i understand the book is still awful uh i've seen excerpts yeah it's bad i yeah. <laughs> uh, i read a blog post that you did <laughs> So it's real bad, guys. <laughs> so most of my experience or knowledge of the series comes from uh, actually some YouTube videos that I shared with Nick. Uh, there's this amazing YouTube channel called Folding Ideas. Amazing. And he's like this he's guy really who good. is just very thoughtful and breaks down movie. He's not like a movie critic, but the way he like he'll do like an hour long video breaking down the intricacies of, in this instance, Fifty Shades of Grey and going through the differences between the book and the movie and what makes it good or bad. And he that's until I had seen his video, I knew pretty much nothing about this but once i watch his video he goes through all of the backstory of the fanfic and how that became a book and how that book became a bestseller and how it became a movie and that was all really interesting so if you i I think the video is an hour long but i suggest a long video uh, checking it out if you want to especially after hearing us talk about this because there is a lot of information in his 50 shades video that 
I think helped me watch this in a different light. Yeah. Um, I actually intentionally, I watched the first 10 minutes of it and then was kind of like, I don't want this to cloud too much of what I'm watching. So I'm going to stop because Matt's going to watch it. So Matt will have yeah. <laughs> information there. But I kind of wanted to come to Fifty Shades. <laughs> I kind of wanted to watch Fifty Shades um, with fresh eyes. And that's, I think, totally fair, especially because his video does a lot of uh, overlaying. He has, he's hired uh, like other YouTubers to read some of the book. And he like inserts those lines into scenes from the movie to show how ridiculous it would be if like E.L. James had her way with the movie and it was a more accurate representation of her book. Because from what I understand, the filmmakers were saints and made a lot of changes that like improved this immensely. Uh, and our uh, friends of ours in the room, Mike Regnetta, uh, does the voice of Christian Grey in that video. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And oh, Lindsay Ellis does Mike. the voice of, I think, Kate or somebody else. Oh, um, all people I love. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very fun video. And if you want to learn more about all of the connections between the book and the movie. Uh, all of his movie stuff, Unfolding Ideas, is really, really yes, good. Highly it's recommend. Really solid. Uh, yeah. But that's pretty much my experience with it until watching it a couple nights ago. Okay. was nothing. <laughs> Rachel? I even have an even less <laughs> amount. <laughs> I never read the book. I never seen this movie. I think I had just signed my name to the the slot because I like romance movies and I think or quote unquote romance <laughs> movies. Right. And I think I'm always on the hunt for the perfect romance movie, and I knew this would not be one of them. <laughs> it's just right out the gate. You're like, well, this isn't going to be it, but I'm going to watch it. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Um, my experience with this is very similar to Matt's in that, like, I'm super aware of it in the public consciousness. Uh, I tried to read a little bit of Twilight, and I just I didn't like it, but I also don't read a lot of fiction. I just... It's just not something I do. I read. If I read, it's usually biographies. But I knew uh, my ex-wife had read them at the time. We were still together, and she would talk about like they're they're fine. They're for you know they're they're not for adults really. Quote unquote. We're talking about Twilight. Yeah. Oh, okay. So because you got to link that into like that then inspired. Fifty Shades of Grey, which uh, I can't remember if I knew anybody who had read it or not, but all I heard about it was that it's like, this is badly written. Yes. Not so much that it's like, it, it, there's a, there are two, there are like two elements to this. There's, it's badly written, but then also there's some really complicated problems that it brings up with like BDSM and relationships and um, abuse. And like those two things together mixed in kind of make it a perfect storm of a book of just like it, it it's becomes this weird thing where some people like it. So it becomes popular. Other people read it, have hor have these horrible opinions about it. So other people want to read it to see this horrible thing. And it just balloons out of control and becomes this, you know, massive success because of that. And I watched it all from the sidelines, except maybe watching a couple people on YouTube talk about it um, or reading a couple blog posts about it. So that was pretty much it. And then, I watched it this week. <laughs> uh, this is not something I would normally gravitate to. I, As all of you know, I need a little sci-fi or fantasy or horror in my fiction. I, I don't, I don't... You could have pretended Christian Grey was a robot, and I don't think the movie would have changed much for you. 
that is accurate. <laughs> like, because he was very oh, much like a murder gosh. robot, is yeah, what he seemed yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, domineering r- murder robot yeah. who becomes her boyfriend to like wipe out the human race. I can't love. I have no heart. <laughs> Oil can? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, here's here's what I want to talk about. The separation of story and storytelling. I think the story here is problematic to to be kind. I think it is problematic and oversimplified in ways that doesn't really work to me. It, do, it, it the story itself to me doesn't really work. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand these characters. The storytelling on the other hand, I feel is bordering on exquisite. I I think the cinematography is extremely good. I think the editing is extremely good. I think a couple of the performers are really good. Who else besides Dakota Johnson? I like Marsha Gay Harden in it. I think she's She's quite good. The uh, roommate's all right. I like uh, one of the, uh, I don't remember what character he was, but he was the, one of the fathers at the graduation, blonde. uh, Her dad? Is that her dad? It's her stepdad. Her stepdad. Her stepdad. Raised I like her. him. That's no. Uh, at the graduation, her stepdad didn't come to the graduation. Oh, that's her real dad. But I yeah. thought no, she had like a bunch of stepdads. That's her stepdad. Her first stepdad. That's her first stepdad, right? Yeah. Her, because her mother's husband. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Stepdad. Hurt, hurt his foot. Her, hurt his foot. And yeah. for yeah. some reason, she could. Her mom couldn't go. Oh, you know. <laughs> I also think she was fine. The the, the, the mother is fine. She's fine in the later scene where they have a nice phone call. But like earlier on, I'm just like, you seem like a really bad mom. <laughs> well, that, I think that's the writing, though. I don't, I yeah. don't know. Like the only actor in here who I was like bad was Jamie Dornan. He's so bad. Was he in Game of Thrones, or did he just sound like somebody no. who should be in Game of Thrones? No, he was not. <laughs> okay, he, he was, was in, in Once, Once Upon, Upon a Time. Time. Oh, he was the first hunter. That Huntsman. was like his breakout yeah. Really? thing. Yeah. I watched the first season of Once Upon a Time, and I have no memory <laughs> yeah. of him. You Which... don't remember him offending you in, in no. the way that he did in this film? <laughs> Which is really sad, because this guy's hot. And that, but like... that's literally the only thing he brought to the table. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. He like... went to the gym a bunch before they shot. Congrats, yeah. thank you. Yeah, congrats you. to him and Dakota Johnson on uh, their physical forms uh-huh. <laughs> in this movie, because, yeah, the pressure of being in a film like this is so high. Yeah, knowing and like I was when you mentioned editing specifically, I was like, the, yeah, the editor did a hell of a job because there was like one frame away from <laughs> showing a penis or one frame away from showing everything, and it's well, like and cut about that. Did you watch <laughs> no. a different version? No, I wish. <laughs> yeah, what would the porn version of this movie be? Well, so I read in the trivia that they wore modesty. Yes. Outfits and that like pubes and like genitalia stuff were CGI'd on. Yep. Oh. And I that made me so CGI pubes mad. So can you imagine the person whose job that was? <laughs> no more. 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 Shorter. No wait. <laughs> you know Heart what shaped. I like though? I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that they didn't just go like Full on bush. No, the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate yeah. they didn't go full on waxed for right. everybody. Uh, right, okay. I, right. You know, and I'm honestly impressed by the CGI because I didn't notice. I did it. not notice. So that, I was. I had read this beforehand, so uh, I was looking for it. <laughs> I read it ha- halfway through, and, I, and then and, it, like the half, the other half of the movie, I was like, "Well, 
God damn. <laughs> I, I, uh, I was looking for it, and I remember thinking, well, that looks pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it doesn't look fake. I'm thinking about, like, yeah. CGI hair in movies sometimes can look pretty bad. Like, yeah. uh, there's a scene in Logan where they had to, like, put oh, God. Uh, yeah, they did. Hugh Jackman's facial hair back on because they, they had, like, shot out of order, and they're like, oh, no, we already made him shave. And so he, like, wakes up, and the it looks like the most plastic, yeah. bad video game hair Ooh. on his face. And I'm like, you got some money, Fox. <laughs> you could do something here. Put a fake beard on. Don't put yes. a... Yes. Right. Please. Right. Practical. Don't, but I like yeah. they didn't do that for 50 Shades it. either. They weren't like... He was a Merkin. They were like, eh, we'll do, fix it in post. Because that's what they did in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo mm. in uh, with uh, Rooney Mara. The, the, she wore a Merkin. Mm. And uh, it was a way where I, this is all, it doesn't matter. But the. <laughs> uh, the more you know. Yeah. But I want to say about editing, Anne V. Coates edited this. She edited it out of sight, which is one of the best edited films ever made. It's a Steven Soderbergh film with Jennifer Lopez and George Clooney and Lawrence of Arabia. So we have a top notch editor wow. working on this. There were two other editors working mm. on it as well, but she was probably the head editor um, and two people working under her. And like, it's, it's, Great. Like, that is great. Seamus McGarvey is a cinematographer. He was a cinematographer for The Avengers. We need to talk about Kevin, which, despite the fact that that film is very upsetting, it is one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Uh, the new Godzilla and Atonement, which is also an incredibly Gorgeous. beautiful film. Yeah. Uh, the director, Sam Taylor Johnson. I haven't seen much of her work, but now I want to see more of it. Uh, she directed a film called Nowhere Boy, and then she did music videos for Elton John and R.E.M. Like, and, and the confidence level of this film from a director's point of view is great. Like nothing, nothing felt sheepish. It felt like she was just going for it. And mm -hmm. that was great. If you haven't seen Nowhere Boy, you should watch that. It's a pretty fun film. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's about like the history of the Beatles. It's about how John Lennon and Paul McCartney became friends. Oh, well, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So like the the talent in the behind the scenes of the actual storytelling, the actual filmmaking, I think is really good. I think it is better than the – like I would give all of these filmmakers anything else and be happy to see it. I just think there's not the, – the story just doesn't work for there's me. There's nothing there. Yeah, much like – Jamie Dornan yeah. in this film. There <laughs> There's is nothing, nothing there. there. <laughs> so that's my thing with this film. I don't know. Nicole, you'd never seen it before. Yeah. What was your experience? I mean, so like right off the bat, we're in, you know, being reintroduced to Anastasia Steele, who again, being in her head in the books, <laughs> she's the fucking worst. Like it's the it's just so repetitive. We we used to do a thing at the end of all the recaps where we would have a whisper and a whisper and murmur counts, <laughs> literally just counting the number of times that she used both of those words in each chapter of the book. Um, and like she was constantly doing, she had all these people in her head. Like something would happen, my inner goddess, like. Does a she would like mix metaphors? My inner goddess does a triple axle over that like the high bars or like whatever. We're just like, what are you doing? What's going on? Well, and that sounds exaggerated, but it's not. No, I have not. also read some of these <laughs> narrations, and they are that bad. This is in fact what like yes, I am not. I'm not exaggerating. These are the things that are in the book. It's very bad. Like one of the first things she says in the movie is she's like, yeah, I'm, like I can handle it because I have a GPS and a 4.0 GPA, and I'm like, yep, there it is. That's Anastasia Steele. There's our Anastasia Steele. I felt like there was so many times watching this where I was like, 
that's got to be a book line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is like a fun <laughs> like a fun game I want to play of like all the lines that stood out to you as like these are the worst. And I'm like, I'm fairly certain that every line that jumped out at you as like that's truly terrible is a book line that uh, E.L. James fought to keep in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like this is this is a thing. But anyway, I like it took about five minutes, though, before I was like, wow, Dakota Johnson is great. So I will say that all of the hatred that I had for this character of Anastasia Steele, I, I like legitimately laughed several times in this movie, and it was always because of Dakota Johnson. Like not at like at moments that were supposed to be sweet or endearing in some way, because of something that Dakota Johnson did. Um, I like didn't hate Anastasia Steele by the end of this movie, which was like a weird experience for me personally, as I spent years of my life feeling that way. Um, but the thing that struck me also really early on was that I had forgotten in amongst like all the bad things about the books is how boring it is. <laughs> like, I was surprised like 10 minutes in. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm really bored. And this is this was true in the book, too, because nothing happens. Like, it's just a lot of nothing. And they just go back over the same. They keep retreading the same ground over and over again. They keep having the same conversation over and over again. And it's just like, OK, great. Like, uh, the there, contract. Sign it. The contract. Maybe. I don't want The contract. It. I don't know. I had this point where they start to talk about it again. I was like, wait, didn't she sign it? Nope. No. What? She never no. does. When did, why are we signing it again? Didn't she? I thought she, like, there was, it was because they kept hitting that same beat yep. over and over again. I also want to echo that Dakota Johnson is wonderful yeah. in this, like, not in a good for this movie kind of way, but no. she is legit. She in brings, a too good for this movie yeah, kind yeah, of way. She really brings a lot of life to this movie. When she was first cast, I had not seen anything that she had done. And in the, you know, like snarky attitude that I had like had towards everything related to Fifty Shades of Grey, I remember my like basic attitude towards her was, okay, you're like a famous child. She's like, and that's... And you're, and even with that automatic entry into the like into the the world of Hollywood, you still are like entering by being in a bad movie. So like, surely you suck. <laughs> uh, was uh, my general flippant attitude. And watching this, it was just like every scene she was in, it was like you're a genuine delight. Like truly, yeah, she's so good. She was given literally nothing to work with, and somehow uh, managed to shine. She and Sam Taylor Johnson, the director just did so much great work together and it's the scene where she is drunk is just so great she's it's so she's, good she's great it's great and then and then as soon as christian shows up i'm like oh yep yeah no i literally uh devin and i were watching this and at like an hour in or whatever like 45 minutes in we're like Dakota Johnson is so good in this. She's, like, she's so genuinely good. very funny. And I was like, oh no, he's going to ruin her. <laughs> I was like, she's going to really fall completely for him and she's just going to become boring. I know it's going to happen. And like, luckily, we don't get to see that far in this movie, but I'm guessing it happens in the next couple. I looked at the, the IMDb for the next two and then and the third one, it just says... Uh, Anastasia and Christian get married, and I went, oh, <laughs> I don't want that to happen. No, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, <laughs> um, Rachel, yes, zero experience. Yes, did you have huge expectations going into this? And if so, were they met or did it fall flat? How, what was your overall takeaway from this I, film? I don't know. I think I had zero expectation. Well. 
So, like, I I actually watched all of Ben and Kate, which is a show that she was in. Uh, I think it only got, like, one season or something, but it was really good. Hmm. And I think I remember when they're like, Dakota Johnson is in Fifty Shades of Grey. And I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when Jessica Biel, I had watched Seventh Heaven. When I was in college, it was like, I don't know, it was just something to have on. Mm-hmm. And... uh and so my uh, girlfriend and I watched it like every week. And then after like w- either when that was still on or immediately after Jessica Biel got the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. And I went, well, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was used to her as this, you know, high school kid, right. like Reverend's daughter, Reverend's yeah. daughter, you know, <laughs> uh, she can't quite get it together. But, you know, yeah. So same experience. But I think that I went into it. No, like in the back of my mind thinking, well, this is going to be really tame or based off of what I've heard and based off of like the book and based off of the fact that you can't just make porn for a movie. So I think to that respect, it kind of like, that's probably why I never watched it was like, oh, they're just going to be like, here's this weird like movie about this couple (laughs) <laughs> Wait, and a guy who likes to do BDSM and stuff. And I feel like it wouldn't have done anything justice into like what that whole world is about or anything like that. Sure. Um, and I was kind of right, I guess. Because <laughs> like it was to, to kind of what Nicole was saying, it was boring. I thought it was kind of boring. And I mean, I think I told Matt the day after I watched it, or or maybe when I texted you during it, where it was like, it's just so boring. Yeah, like I the think... first, especially the first forty minutes mm-hmm. are just like. Is... Actually, the first to me, so I I don't read a lot of romance trashy novels, but I've read trashy romance novels Mm -hmm. and I feel like there is a part of this movie that really reads like a romance trashy novel and I think that there's something to be said about where romance trashy novels are placed in uh, pop culture because so like it's so much of America consumes these Mm -hmm. like so I think to that point, like, I think some of it works because it reads like a trashy romance novel, uh, which is like to the audience that would work for the people who want to watch a adaptation of a trashy romance novel. Right. The people working on this movie who like showed up to actually do their jobs were trying to make that movie. Yes. Which I could like, I would say, yeah. Okay, but then by the end, I was torn between, like, my biggest question was, who was this made for? Like, as a person who, I feel like this was made for an audience much older than me, and who has different kinds of fantasies that I don't understand, maybe? But, I don't know, I've just been, like, grappling between, like, trying to separate this from filmmaking stance and story stance, which is like the story was obviously not controversial, but 
uh, problematic. problematic. It's very problematic, obviously. And it's like, as a person consuming media or like romance, like I don't want to read or watch something that problematic. And I don't know people my age, women-wise, who want to consume that kind of media either and thinks that that's like sexy or romantic. Mm -hmm. And so that was probably like the biggest spot on this movie for me. Hmm. Okay. Matt? So going in with very little expectations, uh, I thought it was like... I don't know. Based on what I heard about the book of this, I thought the movie was going to be god awful. Like, I also felt I was. I thought, yeah, I, was, I was so I was fearing like sitting through this one, like because a lot of movies you watch for this podcast are hard to sit through and are like annoyingly boring or mess. aggravating. Yeah, where it's just like <laughs> I want to be done with this so bad. <laughs> uh, I think I like this movie the most out of the four of us, uh, based on like what you guys are saying about it. Because for me, I was totally okay with the lack of plot. (laughs) (laughs) I was okay with not much happening because it kind of takes itself slow. And my main complaint about this movie is that it is not a solo venture. The fact that there are movies after this and there are books that exist make me dislike it a little more. But if I had just seen this movie on its own with no other context, I would like it even more than I do. That's interesting. Like not knowing that there is going to be a second and third movie. Yes. Even though it ends like it chops off. I love the way it ends so much. Is it because she's like, no, thank you? It's because she goes, no. And she like shows full on like the way it ends is how it feels like it should end. Like. This is a movie about a girl who is kind of falling for a guy. He reveals himself in the relationship he wants. She says, well, I don't want that. I want this. And then she decides to leave. That's the way it feels like that would happen. I think it, that is such a hard point to make because you, we don't live in a vacuum. And this has to be viewed oh, in not a vacuum. Absolutely. And that's what makes me go. That's what makes me still like. I like the way this movie ends. I know for sure I will dislike the second and third movie a lot more than I like dislike this one because of the way the story is bound to go. The thing is, though, even if you strip away all of that other context, this movie is still presenting an emotionally abusive and manipulative relationship. Absolutely. And it's not. And even if she leaves up to that point, the movie is not being honest about the fact that it is portraying an emotionally abusive and manipulative relationship up to that there are multiple points up to this where the movie frames christian's actions as acceptable like and like the only thing that the movie is deciding is the only part of this of this story that the movie is framing as like unacceptable is that final beating like that's the only thing that the movie is telling us is and now he's really gone too far I don't know what happens in the next uh, movie because of how I haven't seen it. But in the <laughs> next book, it when they like uh, are 
after they've broken up, he gets mad at her. He, like, spins this back on her and makes it her fault for not using the safe word in that moment. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, my God. Yep. Well, yeah, from, from what <laughs> I hear, that, like... That bubbling rage that you feel inside you. Uh, <laughs> and I will, I will fully say there are many moments in this movie where I hate Christian so much. And yeah. I, I totally, like... I have, like, known people and talked to people who are involved in, like, the BDSM community. None of them act or talk like Christian Grey. Right. This is not that. Um, this is not no. about BDSM. Especially this is about abuse. when it – my biggest issue with him and the whole contract thing is that it extends beyond his BDSM lifestyle. He wants her to be submissive in life. And he, she has to go to the doctor that he says she can go to. From what I understand, in the book, he is very on her about what she's eating at all times. It's so bad. There are yeah. so many conversations about what she eats, and like at one, like he, like will like pick her up and be like, "You're you're too light," like, and then like force her to sit <sighs> down and eat. Like it's it's fucked. Yeah, <laughs> it's really. And that's fucked. what like I am so glad that they removed some of that. Yeah, yeah, they dialed it, yes. There the are many moments. so much better. There are many moments way still. way the fuck back. <laughs> where, and uh, what I, part of what I dislike about these moments of Christian Grey being a horrible person uh, are also how predictable some of them are, where it's like, okay, so she mentioned her computer's broken twice. I wonder what's going to happen. Is the billionaire going to buy her a new computer? Oh, he did, and look, didn't tell her about it. There's a guy in her house setting up her new computer. Oh, the next scene, she says a thing about her bad car. I wonder what's going to happen. Is the billionaire <laughs> going to buy her a graduation present? Oh, there it is. It's uh-huh. the new car. Oh, and he sold her car? Uh-huh. That's got to be illegal. <laughs> Selling someone else's car. Well, if you've learned anything went- in present day America is that if you're rich, everything's legal. Everything's legal. <laughs> Which is so weird because this movie took so many tropes that are like so romance novely or so romance movie like oh your computer's broken so i brought you i bought you a new one oh you have trouble getting somewhere so i bought you a car blah 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 but then it takes it to the next level uh, or like it turns it and then like it deconstructs it into, uh, to be gross and it's like i got you this computer so you can email me back yeah. Or I got you this car because I want you to look a certain way or something like that. Or one of the ultimate like creep factors in the film is when he shows up in, in Georgia, Georgia where yeah. she's like, I'm going to go have a weekend with my mom. And he just shows, shows up, up in the bar where she's at with her mom. And I'm like, oh, no, you're straight up a murderer, dude. I mean, like you're a stalker. I, going I, to the point of him stalking, like the one of their first one of their earliest interactions they've met twice. He fucking tracks her cell phone to find her at a bar. Yeah. Um, yes. Which I don't like, I, that wasn't it's like not super a clear. It's clear in the movie. Yeah, it's not entirely clear. The movie doesn't make it clear how he knew where she was from their phone calls, but like, yeah, like that. Uh, uh, I was like, he's rich. He figured it out somehow. <laughs> he figured it out because he tracked her fucking cell phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which they do in the book. They like yes, explicitly yes. The book say, is explicit. how did you find me? Oh, I tracked your phone. I tracked your phone. No big deal. But to this thing about how like it's making like the gifts, how it's taking, this is the thing that happens a lot in, in romance like you know the idea of like being taken care of yes. is a popular trope in romance and mm-hmm. like that's cool that's that's fine it's totally fine but what yeah. makes part of what makes it gross here is that Anna is explicit about not wanting that yeah. repeatedly yes. and and like <laughs> like and that's the whole dynamic of their relationship over and over again is like Anna doesn't want things and Christian does and Christian gets his way always every yes. time and it always 
and it, 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 for me, where it got even worse with their relationship was when it when we started to get more of his backstory, and it's suddenly painted as a oh, I can save you if I give in to you. And I was like, no. No, you can't. Like, that's the first moment where I was like, just walk away. Yep. And that's the moment where she decides, okay, then punish me. And I'm like, you're trying to save him through spanking. Which is like, also another, like, romance trope. It, yeah, like, very much so. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to fix him. But usually when the rugged they're fixing him, yeah. it's like... I have to make him stop stealing things or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like a Bonnie and Clyde a little bit kind of thing where it's like, okay, he's a criminal. Yeah, but I love him, so it's okay. Like, I'll just come along for the but journey. But I think this is a good point, and I have two big points that I want to make. The first one is this, in that it is, like, Bonnie and Clyde is a great example to bring up because the film, the story Bonnie and Clyde, understands that Bonnie and Clyde are not heroes. They're bad people doing bad things, but we're still following them. And, and and we're following them and watching them make mistakes and watching them dig themselves deeper into what they're doing. I don't think the storyteller, E.L. James, even the film, even though I like the filmmaking a lot, I don't think the film understands that Christian is a villain. E.L. James definitely doesn't. I think the filmmakers do a little bit more, but I think they also don't have enough agency to take it that far because there's not really enough... Like that's a different movie. I totally disagree with your with that. I really? think I I I I mean I think yes that is a different movie. Yes. But I totally disagree with your sense that the filmmakers get that. I think to Rachel's point about like adapting a trashy romance novel. That's like what the filmmakers wanted to do here was adapt a trashy romance novel. And again, I will say like they removed a lot from the book. <laughs> uh, there is there is so there's like a random scene where they're having sex in a hotel, and Christian takes out her tampon and tosses it in the toilet, and it's like meant to be very sexual. No, <laughs> like, don't do it in the what? toilet. You're yeah. gonna clog it up. You're gonna clog the toilet. <laughs> don't, don't 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 do any of that scene really. Like you don't. need to reenact Fifty Shades of Grey. Specifically that but, scene. Don't mix yeah. toilets with sex. Yes, that's the thing. Like everything about this is like why. But anyway, yeah. So like they dialed back. Like they they tried to go through and like pluck out. Okay, what's the you know what is the like more fun trashy romance novel version of this? But I don't like they kept too many elements of why he's terrible and I don't think anyone is trying to make like that like I to say that they understand that he's the villain but they just can't say it like that's they're not trying to make the movie where he's the villain no they even give themselves some outs <laughs> right like you could have just removed the uh the backstory mm. about his abuse you could have just removed that but instead we put that in there as a way to say, oh, he was abused. So now she's got something where she can save him. My thing, I thought this film was going to take a turn and it was going to, and it actually like, I was, I was in it. I was like, okay, tell me your story where they were going to start telling a story about passed down abuse, about how abuse is cyclical and, and, or can be cyclical. This isn't always, but it can be. Um, and that's kind of what they hinted at, but they took it, far enough for you to f have this faux feeling of, of sadness for Christian because he's obviously stunted in some way but they don't really do anything else to talk about it as real and true abuse. Well and it makes it seem like 
the only reason people get into BDSM is because yes. they've had a traumatic lifestyle, yes. which is yeah. very much not the case. Absolutely, right. And that is, I think, what from what I've read is like a lot of people who are in the BDSM community have a problem with is that this paints not just BDSM, but people who are into BDSM in a very weird light. Yeah. Right. Yes. Now Christian look. is rather explicit about the idea that he like got into BDSM because he was fucking molested. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> By his mother's friend and for even, six like, years. Anna says that. <laughs> yes, like, yes. no, she's a child abuser. Yes. Yeah. She shouldn't be your friend. And, but, like, yes, I agree with you that, like, the movie doesn't pull the, like, they, they try to use Anna as a voice of the audience of how some of us are feeling in those moments. Because there's a lot of, like, moments where Anna's like, what? Where I'm like, yeah, no, I also don't know what the fuck he's talking about right now. <laughs> he said a nonsense thing and expects us to understand what that means or uh-huh. think it's romantic or something. And she's just like, huh? I'm like, Wait, yeah. I have a question. When he's like, I was abused as a child, blah, blah, blah. Uh, was she actually, do you think that he was talking to her because he knew she was asleep or was she, did she like, was she kind of asleep in her? I thought they were walking. Somewhere. No, the, no that's he tells the early... two conversations. Yeah. Okay. There's a conversation in bed, and then they're in the park later. Well, no, the, the the scene that I, Rachel's talking about is like near the end of the movie when he's like fully breaking down, confessing what exactly has happened in his life, ah. and she is asleep behind him. My my reading of that scene is she is out. She is completely yeah. asleep, and this is a moment again. This is more evidence of the film that saying Christian is not a villain because this is supposed to be like his big therapeutic cathartic moment, it's a big thing that he is able to say these words out loud. It doesn't matter that she's not hearing them. It matters to the audience and to him that he can say these things, but not really, because I don't care. But <laughs> to, like, I care about Anna and only Anna in this yep. movie. Yep. So the moment when he turns around and like he touches her arm or something and she like wakes up and she's like, hey, I'm like, oh yeah, no, she wasn't even half awake. For that scene, yeah, like she, she wasn't even be going, hey, yeah, or she didn't. There was not a hint of like her waking up and then realizing what's happening and like pretending to be asleep to like let him keep talking. There's just three shots that cut back to her where she's not, she is not moving, she has not moved, her eyes are closed, and yeah, yeah it, so I think she is Mike, fully I, asleep. Are there two? So there's what his real mother did to him, or is hinted at that his real mother did to him. Yes, and then there's his. His, step- his, adopted his adopted mother's yes. friend. Yes. Okay. Yes. So two different issues. And this is something that I like to see in really capable filmmakers or, when, or, or storytellers is when they don't give you excuses for a character's behavior, but they give you reasons because we're all shaped by our lives. Like we're, we, you know, and, and sometimes that can turn us down a dark path. But um, Patty Jenkins did a wonderful job with this with her screenwriter for Monster in, in talking about Eileen Warnos's life and that, yeah, she had a fucked up life. And because of that and because of how she processed it, she became a murderer it's not an excuse. It's it, it it's a roadmap to show you how these things happened and where she came from and how she got there. Um, she's still a serial killer. Like there, it, she is still not a good person. And see, this whole movie, if it, it again, if if you were able to remove this from context and just watch it blindly going in, it feels like it's setting it up for him yep. to be a serial killer, <laughs> like or something. He's just the creepiest person. Saying the creepiest things, doing the creepiest things. And it feels like there should be a dark turn where he becomes a full-on villain. And technically there's not. 
and he's not the villain of anything. I think earlier today, Nicole, you said something about like he's. We were waiting for the Patrick Bateman turn. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> it feels very American Psycho, you know, because he's so. He he has the. Um, I don't know if it's an actual thing or if it's a movie thing, but the thing that a lot of um, cop shows and uh, or detective shows show when they're dealing with a true psychopath that they don't really have an expression. They're just sort of blank. I think also like they like, I don't know if they actually did this or they messed with the lighting somehow, but there are some scenes where it looks like his eyes are just completely black. There's, Anybody huh, notice that? His, there, this is like kind of related, but there's certain scenes where he looks like a different human. In certain, <laughs> like, there's certain scenes where he's lit weirdly, and it looks like a different actor playing. Like, a, it's like his stand-in was in this shot. Like, there's a shot of him in, in a mirror, and I guess Jamie Dornan reflected just looks like a different human to me. Because I'm like, who's that guy with his shirt off? And I go, oh, it's 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 our main actor. Also, side note. <laughs> <laughs> they put so much money into that CGI, uh, <laughs> like pubes, but they didn't put any money into his weird zits on his chest. Those oh, are those were not no. zits. I know they were not zits. Okay, but they look like zits. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. yes, the scars. Yeah, yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. yeah, they're supposed to be like cigarette burns. Yes. Yeah. I figured they're like some sort of scarring. Looks but, like he had scarlet fever. Or but something. it just looked like he was like. Puberty. Yeah, it, just, <laughs> it yes, took me a while. To, it did to, look like acne. It took me a while to realize, like, is that Jamie Dornan yeah. scars <laughs> or is that Christian Grey scars? Like, I don't know if that's a story point. <laughs> they couldn't. They're like the makeup person was just like, I can't. Do I it. can't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> we'd have to redo his whole chest. Yeah, I, um, yeah. It's I possible. Uh, side note on that: uh, Jamie Dornan does not like to shave his face, so most of the time outside of shooting, he has a beard. Mm. Um, Actually, I think 99% of the time he hates it. So it's very possible on a couple of shots that they did pickups and he had to shave, which would give him puffy face. No. That's interesting. interesting. Yeah, because there is a scene specifically, I think it's one of the later scenes in the playroom where he looks like a round-faced, like, college boy. (laughs) He's also wearing his T-shirt and Dom jeans in that moment with his, like, shaggy hair. Uh, And he looks just like a 20-year-old college student. I'm like, this is a different human being. (laughs) to He just shaved right before he walked on set. It could be. Like, it could be just a pickup where they had to do that. I worked with an actor who the whole thing was at the beginning of the... He was going back and forth. We were going back and forth in time. And in the present, he had a beard. And in the past, he didn't and I remember him specifically saying okay I need at least a week after I shave this otherwise I'm just going to be puppy puppy face man um, (laughs) for the shoot and then he shaved it and I saw it and I was like oh wow yeah you look like a different human being that's weird (laughs) that explains a lot maybe about Jimmy Dorn later in this movie good theory theory. it's it's just my theory the only thing I know for sure is he doesn't like to shave and he he has has a beard beard most of the time third movie second movie he has a beard maybe that's how he's like if you want me to keep doing these movies I'm gonna get to keep my beard (laughs) but also why would he say if you want me to keep doing oh wait never mind because <laughs> he doesn't want to do these movies from what i yeah. like he yeah that this yeah like the behind the scenes stuff too is that they apparently both hated each other which like i would hate him too if i were dakota johnson like look you don't want to do this movie but like 
show the fuck up. You said you would do it. You yeah. knew what it was. Like there was all, he was a replacement. He like, was a replacement. <laughs> he was a replacement because the first guy that they got was like, no, I don't want to do this. And then he was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then I, like. Uh, Charlie Hunnam, uh, <sighs> who was originally cast. That was, yes. Um, who I adore. I, I really do. I don't like a lot of his movies, but I like him mm-hmm. in a lot of things that he's in. Uh, that seems like a such a different movie to me. Right? With him playing the lead. <laughs> like Jamie Dornan is like your Walmart version of Henry Cavill. Yes. Uh, and yeah. like Charlie. I Dunn- have a new respect for Henry Cavill. <laughs> yeah. No, the whole time I'm like watching uh Jamie Dornan fight that Irish accent. I'm like, oh Henry Cavill could have Oh, he should have had the accent. He has it in one line very clearly when they're outside was the coffee it? shop. Oh no, I was like, was it? I'm fifty shades of fuck. No. <laughs> it's they're outside the coffee shop and like she's about to like run off. He's like, steer clear of me. And like his steer clear is like there is no hiding in that like he's he's done an okay job of hiding it. But apparently, steer the clear. Husky, the, well, the, it's like trying to be the like brusqueness. Well, of I that. think it's also because it's was shot it? outside. My guess is they probably had to do ADR. Uh-huh, so maybe Jamie uh-huh. Dornan, six months after they shot it, was like, <laughs> "Eh, I don't remember the accent I did. I'm just gonna do my normal accent." Yeah. Maybe also it was later's babe. <laughs> <laughs> book line, yes. Oh, that's a book. That's yeah. a book. That's a book. It does feel because the first time he does it, I'm like, "That's kind of funny." His brother just said that, and but like the third time he does it, I'm like, "It's not." funny to no, anyone it's anymore it's not funny like she doesn't seem charmed by it you're not a charming human this is um in the making of twilight i told nick this earlier but in the making of twilight they catherine hardwick or somebody they were going to get rid of the and so the lion fell in love with the lamb <laughs> stephanie meyer gave this interview where she talked about fighting to keep that in because uh People have that tattooed, like that quote, mm. like that was her argument. And so that, like, I don't know, <laughs> this became a shorthand for like stupid shit that they leave in as fan service mm. in adaptations is like, it's for the tattoo girls. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like that this should movie, be a tattoo. <laughs> this movie has, <laughs> for the tattoo There's girls. my next tattoo. It's for the tattoo girls. No, stupid uh, shit they leave in for the tattoo, tattoo girls. This this movie had a ton of just like all of her terrible dialogue. Like the the ways in which they improved this was by making it less like the book in as many ways as they possibly could. Why and did like, they adapt it? <laughs> why it's super popular? But this is why? The, yeah. That's my biggest question. <laughs> Who is reading this and why? It. I mean, it got <laughs> really really popular on fan fiction forums. Yeah. It was like twenty thousand readers just on the forums, and it was like she was releasing a chapter a week or something like that of like new material and so it was that and then someone like helped her release it as a self-published like online book when like ebooks were really becoming a thing and so she basically had three books out in very quick succession that all were like top of the charts so you could look at the top 50 ebooks and three of them were E.L. James Fifty Shades books. And so people were like, well, these are popular. Let's make them real books and let's make movies. And the other thing is, like, uh, so it's they're badly written and it glorifies abuse and, mm-hmm. like, there's a ton of problems with them. But, like, the to this other question of, like, why? Well, I mean, like, it, it's, it was it, – it created a space for fantasies that people don't like to acknowledge that they have to be – 
like accessible and to be like something that you can like can openly acknowledge the little old lady is reading the books on the bus and it is an an, un- an unfortunate casualty of the conversations about how terrible these stories are is that like that piece of it which is fair and valid and yeah. like like the one good thing here is is that um is lost to the fact that it's badly written and glorifies abuse uh and paints a bad picture of what that lifestyle paints actually a, paints is. a terrible exactly because it's bad it's yeah. bad at doing that thing uh <laughs> that yeah. like that one potentially good thing like it's it achieves that effect badly because of th- it's badly written and yeah. it glorifies abuse. Uh, yes, so... it, when it's domestic abuse disguised as kink. Correct. Instead of actual kink lifestyle. Yes. That's yes. when it's harmful to people who are reading it who know nothing or aren't going to do any research into BDSM communities aside from reading Fifty Shades of Grey. That is their whole understanding right. of what that is. But it was, it was, so it was propelled forward by a combination of like virality from you know, like fan communities and then also this other sort of thing around people not being comfortable acknowledging like their kinks. Sorry, I'm looking up a movie about BDSM Holden. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Porn. <laughs> That's just the title of the movie. Porn. Yeah. <laughs> the porn. The movie. <laughs> No, the, the uh, musical. And the, the, the thing about all of the thing about all of this is that, like, I, I th- there is a way, I suppose, that like you could strip enough of the story down. Like the thing that they were trying to do here, I don't think is impossible. Uh, like making a an acceptable version of this, like that's still sort of it's just a trashy, fun movie, right? Uh, like I think it's possible, but doing it as an adaptation which like they did it as an adaptation because that's where the the sort of the brand tie-in and the appeal and whatever like money reasons basically is why it's an adaptation but because those same forces that made it exist also made it next to impossible to strip enough of it away to make it the like trashy fun movie that the that the many very talented people working on this movie were (laughs) were hoping to wring out of it but you just couldn't do it (laughs) just uh (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's uh, and like some last thoughts, I guess. Here, like uh, for me, like the character of Anna is so relatable in a lot of moments, mm-hmm. and there are obviously big moments where I'm like, "What are you doing?" That mm-hmm. doesn't seem like something your character would do mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. You and have a 4.0 GPA. You have 4.0 GPA, Anna, <laughs> and GPS, and GPS um, on your flip phone. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was like one of the main things. I was like, he doesn't buy her a new phone first. No, she's really. This is this is also in the book. She's like oh. really adamant about like I don't do technology. LOL. Like I gotcha. don't know. She's like she's so quirky. When she, she's, so, she's, she's so quirky because wow. she's like terribly inept with yeah uh, technology. When that flip phone came on, I was like. Does this movie take place in like <laughs> nope. yeah. two thousand? I thought the same thing. And then the next shot is Christian and with Christian an iPhone. With an and iPhone. Like, <laughs> no, nope. like, that's a that's not an iPhone three. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like Anna for me, like I'm watching like her journey through this movie, and I'm like, okay, so you're starting to like a dude who clearly is not going to give you what you want from a relationship, and okay. He spanks you, and you're kind of into that. Maybe you like that a little bit. And like then it progresses, and he becomes more and more awful. And I was just like yelling at the screen, like, Anna, you can find nice dudes who will spank you occasionally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Like, right. And you that's... don't need to sign a contract submitting to going to a doctor that a guy chooses for you. You can just ask for some light BDSM in the bedroom with Jose. He seemed yeah. nice. Oh, my God. No, he didn't seem nice. Don't when he even was being... get me started. Poor Jose. 
Poor Jose early the on. not white guy gets. <laughs> yeah. He, she, yeah. Don't. she also adapted Twilight's racism. Yeah. yeah. Don't even freaking get me started. Yeah. I said poor Jose, they but he gets like, real creepy yeah. late, at the last time we see him, which that's another problem I have with this is there's a lot of characters who I'm guessing are throughout all of the books, mm-hmm. but are introduced in like two scenes made to seem really important and then they disappear forever. Yes. Like well, her roommate yeah. pops up every so often. But every time she's there, it's like she's one of the most important characters in the movie. Yes. And then we forget about her for an hour. Yes. But there's, okay, just a side thing. (laughs) There's like something about the way they're like when uh, Gray's brother is like, oh, Jose, I like that dude. He's cool. Like there's something about the way that they talk about Jose and let they frame Jose as a character makes me like it's not even like it makes me so mad and it make it feels so racist somehow without being blatantly being like here's Jose the I don't know how you would make that like he's kind of like their token yes. Mexican yes. friend yeah. yes. yes and like just that in itself was like why why <laughs> why would you I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. It's also like it. It is that moment. It, it it could have been a great moment of irony, but it just sort of doesn't go anywhere. Where uh, it's Jose is his name. Yeah. That's oh. <laughs> yep. And that's yep, and that's, uh, that's for guy. some reason that name did not sound right in my head. I was like, wait, is that right? Because it only comes up a few times yeah. in this movie. Yep. <laughs> Where his, uh, Jose is, you know, kind of forcing himself on her outside, and then Christian, oh, get away from her, and <laughs> it, she said no. <laughs> it's just it later. I mean, I think we're supposed to feel like there's some sort of. You know, it's like poetry. There's a rhyme where it comes up again later when she says no. I, it doesn't feel connected in a in a way that it should. But it, so it just comes off as ironic that the film put this in there and then that at the end. It doesn't feel purposeful. Well, because that moment is also uh, Fifty Shades of Fucked Up. In that no, it's no, yeah, I did Matt, it. No, I had, I had to get out. Um, <laughs> in that, like, it's. It's a few things happening all at once. Like you have yeah. this creepy moment of Jose trying to kiss Anna, while at the same time you have, I'm sure what the readers were supposed to believe and what the viewers are supposed to think is the hero Christian sweeping like in at the last moment to save the day. But what is really super creepy Christian having tracked her phone mm-hmm. and finding her at a bar when she said like, "Don't worry about it. Don't come here." And so it's like. You and, have two creeps. And that scene f- keeps getting worse because he shows up and then he's like, how much do you have to drink? How much? How much? You should be. No, you're leaving. You're leaving. It's like she it. And then she Dakota Johnson's so good <laughs> that um, this uh, this is something that I wanted to talk about. We're kind of running out of time. But, uh, but this idea of Dakota's so good that. And her re- reactions to this are kind of flippant. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, it's fine. Because right. Dakota's fine. Right. But when I think about it, I'm like, wait a minute. No, that was awful. Everything that's happening in here is awful. And I wanted to bring up something that Nicole and I talk about often. And we talked about it on Snark Squad a few times. The idea of having a charismatic person mm-hmm. in the villain role. Or not even in a villain role, but having it in a person who is telling you something that is inherently bad or problematic 
if they're charismatic. Or does a few genocides. Or does a few genocides. <laughs> what the movie is that? We're talking about Loki. Loki. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you have a charismatic actor, you're much more likely to go, yeah, but he's cool. Or you like, I get that point. Michael Keaton in Spider-Man uh, Homecoming is a great example of like when he's talking to Peter Parker about all of, you know, like they don't care about us. You're going, yeah. And then you stop and think about it and you go, Wait, I mean, you <laughs> know, I, same with like Michael B. Jordan note, in Black Panther. Like. Yeah, no, no, no. Exactly. but on that note, I feel like there's a difference between a complex villain and a just like a poorly like a villain where they're just giving like excuses. I agree. Right. My point is that they didn't even have that here. My, I because would say that I, Anna Jay, is that. Well, no, Anna at a certain level is the reverse of that mm, in, in a yes. weird way. But but Jamie Dornan is so uncharismatic that the, at no point in the film was I like like going, yeah, but he's pretty hot and he's got this <laughs> and this is kind of cool and and he has a good point. I just I was always like, there's nothing there. So I I don't even have a charismatic villain. I just have a blank wall. Mm-hmm. I think you suffer from that same issue though with having Dakota uh, not Dakota Fanning Dakota Johnson be so charismatic because that's the parts we like so much about her yeah still they then blind you to other parts where like she should have a she her reaction should be so much stronger but instead because she is sort of the quirky girl she can kind of go meh or I'm gonna I'm, no I'm gonna go talk to Kate bye or whatever and it's like right. no you should like call the cops or something maybe no, in Georgia like, in Georgia when he shows up I was like and yeah. then she doesn't have I'm like well maybe I'm overreacting and she small <laughs> moments where I'm like that's the human normal yeah. reaction and then like a second later she's like. Oh, okay. Dakota Johnson is actually 100% the thing that like Nick is, is just yes. talking about here, which is like to the, the, the conversations that we've had about Loki and that, you know, like the, here's a character who is like largely beloved. And I'll, most of that is about the way that Tom Hiddleston portrays him. And like, it's, I don't know, we like don't, don't really talk that much about the genocides. <laughs> yeah. Know? And it's, it's, it's about how that person's charisma makes the audience feel too it's not always intentionally to blind the audience from the bad things they're doing, but it's something to consider when I think making these types of films. Because, like, I don't think the Russo brothers are sitting down thinking, like, why do people like Loki? Yeah, they're like, no, it's Tom Hiddleston. That's why people like Loki. Why do people like Loki. Put him more, put him exactly. out there. Let him say more funny stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah, like, they're not thinking about like, should we remind people about the genocide? Right. <laughs> Probably not. Probably we not. shouldn't have like maybe a side conversation where him and Thanos are just like, I get you, dude. But they do. <laughs> they do remind people about the genocide. Thor reminds people about the genocide. But it's in Ragnarok, and nothing serious in Ragnarok. How dare you? <laughs> wow. That was my real good. But but it's I'm, very. It's very. I love that movie. It's great. It's, it's not a very seriously toned movie and it, it but it is like everything that you're saying that is, is that scene. 100% what's happening here with Dakota Johnson yeah. and Anastasia Steele which like to be clear as much as we've been gushing about Dakota Johnson Anastasia Steele is still a garbage character she's infinitely improved in the movie over the books which is holy her name shit. is Anastasia Steele <laughs> that was my tweet for Christ's sake I didn't know that and I started watching the movie and she introduced herself I'm Anastasia Steele and I, my tweet was her name is Anastasia Steele. Yeah, and Christian Her doesn't name let you forget that. Is Anastasia Steele. My favorite. So he uses her full name almost, almost every single every time. time. He's talking about her or to her or to somebody else. And my favorite moment of that is 
near what I thought was after the end of this film, because I thought it was going to end way earlier than it did. <laughs> the In the third act of this film, they're suddenly going on a gliding trip. Uh-huh. Uh, well, they get, in Georgia. The, yeah, but why is that scene there? Um, <laughs> <laughs> to show that he can bend. To show Because he's that rich he's, and he yeah. can do things because he's rich and this is his appeal. Is to that me, he's it rich. felt like an episode of Remember The Bachelor. Remember how he's rich? Like, that was their date <laughs> yes. on their episode of The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah. where it's like, okay, so we have a really handsome, completely uncharming dude <laughs> and we have a, a woman who doesn't really like him but might. <laughs> Let's send them on a fancy date and see what happens. Let's throw them off of a plane. He's a glider pilot. I mean, I think the movie's also trying trying to state like this is you know excitement and adventure and thrills and stuff like that that she has been lacking it, yeah. I, I don't feel like it worked very no. well right. but, but like but like I think that's what it's trying to do yes so but yeah. oh yeah sorry why I brought that up uh, the moment where he walks up to like the the plane pilot who's gonna pull their glider up he walks up and he's like hey how's it going this is Anastasia Steele and I just want that guy to be like why the fuck do I care? <laughs> I don't need to know her full name, dude. Like, Maybe he does for for uh, uh, signing papers. I don't but know. they don't. They immediately get in their planes and take Insurance. off. No, it's like, really weird. It seems super casual. If it would have been me, I would have said something real snarky, and it would not have been good for business. Yeah, it'd be like if like, <laughs> like the well, first hi, time I'm Mort Gugamine. <laughs> it'd be like if the first time we were hanging out, I walked up and like introduced Devin by her full name. This he is Devin Hinchy. Like, be like. Thanks, I guess. I need to know that. <laughs> For some reason, I remember when I first saw this trailer, in that trailer, there's that scene, and it looks like an ominous scene. <laughs> Do you remember that? Does it- like there's I don't like remember a scene the trailer for this. So there's I, a scene where she's um in the in the plane and she's like doing her head like her head does the yeah. thing. It's like an like herbal essence commercial. They're like, like flipping around and like there's a part during that trailer where it's like spooky kind of music or like dangerous music or I something. Think it's got the, like, it's the, the Beyonce. I think it's the Beyonce, so yep. it's like kind of like it's like yeah, really yeah. low beats. The slow, and, crazy and I think right I remember being like does he like take her out to kill her in the plane or something? <laughs> There's like five like, moments in this film where I was like, is he gonna murder her? Like when they're in the, by, out by the lake, I'm like, this is a pretty good spot if he's gonna murder her. Okay, well, at this point, we need to uh, move on to how we would fix this uh, if we think it could be fixed. And um, I'm gonna go last here because I have some, uh, one, just one very specific thing. Which I don't want to steal from anybody. So Matt, I'll have you go first. What do you? What would you like to see changed about this film? Uh, I don't have very good fixes. I don't think I, I. I made a note of like make him an actual sex robot, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. That makes this I'm movie that more sci- interesting. Yeah, that sci-fi pitch. Like the the reveal <laughs> at the end when she's like touching his scars, they're like bolts that pop out. Yeah. And it's like hold <laughs> <laughs> These poorly makeup on things were fake the yeah. whole time. <laughs> she's like talking to him, and all of a sudden. Part of his face just starts to fall off. It's like, oh, that's why you can't love me. It's you are programmed perfect. only for pain. It's a, it's a Stepford husband. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I'm okay with that version of the oh, movie. Man. Uh, I also put have Anna dump him and fall for Jose. Um, uh, if you can take out the creepy part with Jose, because I don't want her... Yeah, Loving I mean, we're rewriting Jose in the process. Yes. Yeah. I, leave yeah. the earlier scenes of Jose being like, come to my art show, which that never came up again. I don't know. At the beginning of this movie, they make a huge deal. I mean, if, he's like, if it's going to be about Jose, you could actually have it to where that still happens, and then he has to reckon with it. And he could, and he could be working to apologize for that. They were both drunk. 
Yeah, but that's a way less interesting movie to me. Well, that's um, that was, <laughs> I don't. I don't want the Jose redemption story after he does shitty things too. Uh, that's a very good point. My, We're trying to give Dakota Johnson a chance to be really happy. <laughs> yes, uh, there are and, plenty of people out there who could make you happy, Dakota. My last uh, fix was don't make any more movies. Yeah, just let it let it die. That's that's fair. Yeah, Rachel, what do you think? Hmm. Well. I've never read any of them, so I don't know what the rest of the books are like. I imagine it doesn't get, like, it's not that whole abusive part isn't resolved, Nicole. No. 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 Okay. So, there's an antagonist it, it introduced, gets, isn't it there? It only gets more there's more. There's a abusive. helicopter crash. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole, yes. Okay, there's there's a, multiple, there's multiple, and the, uh, the, the major, like, villain whatever to be overcome in the next one is like a former submissive who he like emotionally destroyed uh and then later there's someone who's obsessed with anna who tries to hurt them so woo. okay so i think (laughs) fucking what other cliches do we have (laughs) (laughs) let's go that one i think that maybe we would need to separate it from the story and make it like it could be basically the same storyline. You could keep the BDSM in. You can like keep certain parts in, but maybe remove the abusive parts because that's those are the parts that disallow me at least from enjoying a movie like this. Like I want to see. Like I want to see. Like a hot, sexy movie like that. Absolutely, like, as yeah, I, I'm the same boat, yeah. Maybe also uh, change the actor for, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Christian I keep thinking Gray. Dorian Gray. <laughs> also Christian. a more interesting movie. <laughs> also a much I mean, more interesting movie. Which with, is, oh, you made him Dorian Gray? Oh, man. Oh. And a sex robot? <laughs> yeah! Wow. Uh, which, I mean, he's hot, Fuck, okay, take my money. but also like, <laughs> We need somebody who is also hot and also can match the acting skills of Dakota Johnson. Charlie Hunnam. Um, I think I also I put Ryan Gosling in there. No, why? He's, he's I'm, not. I'm out Ryan Gosling right he's now. He's not dark enough. Uh, so. We'd be more charming than. Uh, I almost said Henry Fifty Shades Cavill. fans wanted uh, Matt Bomer or Ian Somerhalder. Those were the uh, uh, Ian fan, Somerhalder's the fan, very the fan, dark. Wait, the fan who is this? Vampire he's, Diaries. Oh, yes. Actually, (laughs) uh, that was literally when I first, maybe I saw an edited poster or something, but for some reason, he was the guy I was thinking in my brain. You probably saw a fan poster. They they existed. Okay. Matt Bomer's not the same person as Jamie Dornan. I'm looking at his face right now. That's the same human man. (laughs) Nick, look at this man. Is that not the man we watched in this movie? Yes. I, okay, that's why I was thinking, because I was thinking from Magic Magic Mike. It's the same dude. It's Matt Bomer. It's yeah. the same. I want to see Jamie Dornan, Matt Bomer, and Henry Cavill in a room right now. Because they look the same. I love a picture of Charlie Hunnam. And also, he he already has yeah, I hope you're all Googling at home. He Go has already proven himself sexy because he dances in Magic Mike. Okay, but like Charlie Hunnam, <laughs> very uh, different looking human, very different looking guy. Like a lot of these photos, I'm like, all right, okay, yeah. Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Hunnam. Oh, right, right, that guy, that guy. Okay. Pacific Rim. Um, I would also turn up the steaminess level because this is like 
Like the people who are it's reading. It's a sexy movie. Yeah. It's what a the hell? It's a sexy yeah. movie. Like you want it to be sexy. I don't like I don't care. I know I mentioned this earlier. I don't care about the CGI parts, but like give me a, a like an erection in the pants or something. <laughs> <laughs> like I hate I hate movies and TV shows that show a bunch of boobs and stuff, but they never show any penis. I mean, as yes. we said in the Frogs yeah. episode. a little bit of penis. In, in, in like the Frogs episode, we all agreed more dicks. Penis cleavage. Yeah, more dicks, <laughs> More dicks. Yeah, more dicks. Uh, so, dick equality. Yeah, dick I equality. Want, like, I want to no, be able to enjoy say. it. Yeah. Dick it equality. Is, it is great. It's great to say, too. What a good slogan. Yeah. That's my next tattoo. We're going to get some, we're gonna get some dicks, hats please. printed up. <laughs> we're all going to cook out our real bad tattoos. For the tattoo <laughs> girls. There's yeah. double, yeah. Real bad and real bad tattoos. Um. So, yeah, those are, I would say, the three main things. More sexiness. Less... Uh, Actor man, uh, <laughs> rem- less of the Batman. Uh, remove from storyline altogether, or just remove uh, abusive parts, and then I'll be able to enjoy it. Like everything else was fine, I guess. But yeah, mm. Nicole. Yeah, I mostly just agree with Rachel. Like, I, I there is a way to tell like this this story i mean there exists in plenty of other books plenty of other people have written this this yeah. uh basic premise of like innocent girl falls for sexy billionaire who yeah. likes kinky stuff like that's and like that's fine well, that's yeah. an original like, idea like, that's that's like no like and that's that would be a fun movie i yeah. would i would watch that movie and there is a way to do all of that without making this so fucking abusive like the, yeah. and and you can still have her be for the sake of like the te- the entire tension in this movie, the whole, is the is she gonna uh, you know agree to like be in this relationship with him or not? And you can have that tension around her navigating how she feels about right. BDSM, like that's fine without also having him trying to control all of the other areas of, of her life. First of all, and as Nick mentioned earlier, the like tragic abuse victim backstory, yeah. which again, like conflates all of this and turns the the dynamic that he is trying to foist upon her no longer about just BDSM as like consensual sexual activity and turns it instead into him trying to perpetuate a cycle of abuse. Yes. And like, but we're not going to comment about that without any sort of commentary on it. And the thing is like, none of those, like those things, those parts of the, of this story are not necessary to move it forward. Right. You can tell this same story without those things. So, why are they there? So yeah, 100% agree with Rachel, the way, the way to fix it. I didn't care about Jamie fucking Dornan's wooden, useless performance. Maybe, maybe if he had agreed to be in a movie that he didn't hate, uh, he would have showed up and like done his job. I'm not sure. Put that on him, though, then. I've, you yeah. agreed to show up. Yes. One, uh, 100%. Uh, so I don't know. But I like that to me is the, is the bigger thing is, is just all of the abuse. Yeah. Let's not. Let's. <laughs> I wish I could just end right there. Yeah. And we're done. Um, I My big one was to cast Charlie Hunnam. I, I think that, that that's the only thing that I could see fixing it without just burning it down. Because uh, I, I think the story in and of itself is so problematic that you just pick a different story. Like, that's the thing to me. I agree with you that other people have written this story. And there are, there are versions of this story. See, the thing is, like, they wanted to capitalize on the popularity of this, of I this franchise. And 
I what I am saying is like you can still you could still do that. Like you can still do like put all these same characters and you can make this a Fifty Shades of fucking Grey movie without all of the like it's not Fifty Shades of Grey the book anymore, quite frankly. It's an adaptation. It's an adaptation. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like for the the looseness of a film adaptation, you can do that. Like they had that option, right? And they chose not to. Take well, it. I think a large you know part what? of that is removing E. L. James yes. from the being a part of the yes. filmmaking. Which, from what I read and hear, she was on set yelling at the director to make changes and apparently later on in the other movies she gets more and more involved in the filmmaking decisions which like no author has that much power yeah the big thing you do is you kick her out of the process from the jump yes because yes (laughs) if she's out of there from the beginning the script writer and filmmakers can go into this thinking let's make that version of this movie and we don't have to have the author going no, you can't. Depends yeah. on the contract she signed. I mean, it's. It, she I mean, she got just... a hell of a contract, apparently. Yeah, she yeah. must have gotten a hell of a contract, which, I, I mean, I don't know her, but good for her if you, if you can work that into it. Uh, but that being said, I, I, I agree with Nicole. It's like that, I think, is the way you do that. So, uh, my, but mine is just burn it down <laughs> and start over with something else. Uh, I think the, I think it's too flawed. I could, uh, me personally, as a screenwriter, I couldn't, I couldn't navigate my way around all of that without just coming up with something completely new. So, uh, yeah. And I, I'm, you know, I am also on board for, um, you know, steamy, sexy movies, like, especially like, I like them on the darker side. Um, so, you, you know, psycho thrillers, sexual, psychosexual thrillers, things like that, I think I, I find fascinating. Not everyone does, but I do. Ooh, you're going to like my real good then. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I hope we don't have the same one. We probably don't. We'll see. I, know I thought it was Ragnarok. See it. I thought, come on, Nick. I have many. Oh, I was going to say, Ragnarok, I don't remember being steamy. Yeah. Well, you know, the steamy psychosexual <laughs> thriller. Where the Hulk, he was Thor in the, Ragnarok. He was in the steamy tub. I didn't watch the unrated cut, apparently. <laughs> and you see Hulk butt. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's pretty steamy. Surprising, isn't was it? it anyway. It, yes, yeah. it was. <laughs> what? 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 Transition. No. Was it Ruffalo butt or was it? No, this was, was Hulk butt. No, this was Hulk butt. Yeah. Hulk butt. Um, okay, so uh, let's move on to how we would rate this. Each one of us has our own rating system. Uh, Rachel, we're going to start with you. How do you rate Fifty Shades of Grey? So my system is uh, A through F. Like A, it's uh, more of a okay. That's a movie. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And then F is like, why the fuck did you make this Superman versus Batman versus Superman movie Justice League? <laughs> I like the idea that it's Superman versus Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Yes. You could ca- cast Jamie Dornan as the other Superman. Oh, yeah. And nobody would know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, that would have solved the mustache debacle. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. You're right. Just just cast either Matt Bomer because or Jamie Dornan as the other Superman. <laughs> Jamie Dornan <laughs> apparently doesn't like. My, oh, wait. No, he, he does. likes his he, does. he can't he cast does. Jamie he Dornan. He would not. Yeah. Nope, he's out. Matt Bomer, you're in. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I, I actually didn't think about this because I've been grappling so much with, like, what is this movie? I don't know. What is this? Ah, should I read think pieces? Should I not? I don't know. Is it even worth it? <laughs> Does anything matter? Yeah. Um, I would maybe put it in uh, a C minus because, like, there's there. It wasn't like a burn this thing to the ground kind of thing, and there's some elements like good acting and like the editing, like you said, Nick. But 
there's just some unforgivable parts where it's like, okay, well, this is a bad movie because it's a bad story kind of thing. Right, if you're starting from bad, where do you go? Yeah. Yeah. So I would give it a C minus just because, like, you, there is a possibility of this movie being better. Okay. Being a movie. <laughs> sure. Nicole? Uh, I haven't been on since Highlander, and I was, like, <laughs> determined to get rid of my sunglasses emoji rating system after Highlander, but I completely forgot about it until this moment. Ah, this um, happens to me every time. So my, <laughs> my new rating system, though, is that I'm, it's just that I'm going to pick an emoji. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is my transition between my old rating system and my new one. You're staying on brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm the emoji girl. It's fine. <laughs> but yet, you weren't on the emoji. Movie episode. I know, yeah. I know, I missed You're my... You're already breaking your brand. <laughs> I missed, well, I wasn't invited. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh. We didn't know that was your brand at the time. <laughs> I was very You need secret. to up your marketing. Yeah, it's true. My marketing was, was very poor. Um, anyway, so I didn't really give this a ton of thought um, <laughs> because I was just looking at all the emojis while Rachel was talking. I like... The thing is, I hate these books so much. Sure. And obviously, like, I went into this with all of that bad, like, bad, that animosity. But because I went into this with all of that animosity, I was just surprised by all the things that weren't awful. Right. Uh, like, and you and, came out a neutral. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Just in this, like, weird. So, um. Which I'm, shade of gray did you come I'm out? The, the white girl shrugging her shoulders. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't fucking know. It's like it's bad, and you shouldn't see it. And so you've even changed the the color of the skin for the emoji. No, that's be? well, that's or the, are you yellow neutral? I sh- I d- yeah, I don't know. That's okay. my defaults are all the the white people. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's the one you've chosen in, in the past. Yeah, so in the, automatically that, that decision has now. already been made for yeah. me. And so now <laughs> when I scroll through my emojis, that's what I see. <laughs> Great. Excellent. Matt. I still haven't changed my rating system since <laughs> the fr- episode one. I feel like I really want to, but I... <laughs> Uh, there's Let so me many... tell you, an enjoyment scale is good. I mean, it's <laughs> the enjoyment part of it is not what I don't like about it. It's the fact that my rating scale is the possessed mushroom puppet scale of enjoyment. Uh, out of five possessed <laughs> mushroom puppets. This, uh, we've all spoken a lot, I guess, about what we've liked and disliked about this movie. And I didn't find it as boring as the other people did. But the problematic elements are still problematic, no matter who's watching it. Uh so I'll never watch this again, but it didn't bore me in the moment. And I think something we didn't really talk about, but we kind of one of the biggest things for me as like that we didn't talk about was the moments when Anastasia has like genuine fear in her eyes <laughs> during some of their BDSM moments where like, oh, that's not what you should have right. on your face if you're in a consenting BDSM relationship. Yeah. Like, you should not be crying and have fear in your eyes right now. That's concerning for me. And those moments are the ones that brought it down a lot for me, uh, even if it wasn't boring to me. So it gets a three out of five possessed uh, mushroom puppets. Because yeah, a little higher than Midway. Uh, yeah, because a lot of that is because of the filmmaking itself. Because right. we have watched some shit movies on this podcast. And You're they usually, welcome. They usually get ones and twos. So I feel like the filmmaking alone and the fact that D- Dakota Johnson is delightful bumps this up to a three out of five. 
Okay. So Nick. Uh, that's a lot of bumping. <laughs> Wait, I changed my mind. I'm the single tear emoji. Oh. <laughs> Just the oh. one tear. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wait. Are you gonna <laughs> wait? <laughs> Are you gonna make it to where like you can't use it? Ooh! Once that emoji is burned, yeah. You once can't that do emoji is burned, you can't use it. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> There's <laughs> a lot of emojis think, now. There exactly. are a lot of emojis. I'll think about it. <laughs> Eventually, you're just gonna be. I'm this freaking dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Danish flag. Because <laughs> <laughs> then you really have to choose your emojis <laughs> very, like, yeah. very carefully. You do. It's like if you if you use single tier, then you can never use nothing else tier ever true. again. It's true. So. <laughs> so which one are you? Are you the single tier? Yeah. Single okay, tier. single, single tier. tier. I'm, 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 I'm giving this one single tier. <laughs> All right, we're all in. Nick, what Star Wars Fuck. movie is this? Uh, <laughs> which is the sexiest Star Wars movie? <laughs> Any Star Wars movie is sexier than this movie. Not the first one. It's uh, a bold statement. Bold statement. Well, I'm saying like, not the, the first one is not the sexiest. That's <laughs> well, what? I don't know. Qui-Gon's in it. Oh, episode one? Yeah. Yeah. Quite, yeah, Ewan McGregor, pretty handsome. Yeah. Ewan McGregor is... Yeah. I'm sorry, I couldn't take you. <laughs> well, now we're all thinking about what the sexiest Star Wars movie well, is. I don't... Well, Whoops. this is the thing. Like, I, I... I can't rate this because this is a very bizarre experience because the filmmaking is so high. It's on such a high mm. level. And the story is on such a low level that that... And low in a very problematic way. Like, if the filmmaking were also shit, it'd be Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith because of the assassination of Natalie Portman's character. Like, you could say the mm-hmm. the, the treatment of, of Natalie Portman in, in those two movies is problematic. But the filmmaking is also terrible <laughs> in those two movies. And So I'm struggling because, like, I don't want – I think uh, Sam Taylor Johnson did a really good job with this film. I think Seamus McGarvey did a really good job with this film. I think Danny Elfman and Ann Coates did a really good job with this film, and I think that the filmmaking is great. I just think it's a bad story, and I don't know how to – What's a Star Wars movie that that has that has a bad story but good filmmaking? I mean, I guess it would be Rogue One, but even Rogue One has some bad filmmaking. Whoa, (laughs) I'm a big Rogue One. Okay, that is not this podcast. This is my rating system. Yes, but I know this about Nick is that the a lot of the filmmaking in Rogue One, especially when the trailers were coming out, that movie looks beautiful. It did. It did. So as far as I think, if you're looking for a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Oh yes, it is the, <laughs> it's the it. Rogue One trailer. <laughs> it's not though because I think the stuff that's <laughs> the stuff that's problematic in this film is so seriously problematic that none of that really exists in a Star Wars film, and I don't want to draw parallels to it. Yeah, I guess Jabba's like the closest thing to a I problematic guess you sexual would have that. character. But that even we have Carrie Fisher, Star- even Carrie Fisher said, "Yeah," and then I killed the motherfucker. Yeah, you know, so like, <laughs> or maybe I, it's like uh, the care. It's a character, and it's uh, no, it's not my rating system then. <laughs> but yeah, we're breaking it. No, I'm oh thinking God. of um, uh, Jesus. What's his name? No, Jesus wasn't in. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's Luke Skywalker. Right? Did he walk up? I don't know. We're getting or was that Moses? Yeah, no, Moses off. parted the Red Sea. <sighs> Anyway, no, welcome wow. to theology look, chat. Wow. Look, I, I, I am going to abstain from rating this with that system because I don't think it's fair. Did you do that last week? No, we went with Star Trek. 
that's 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 not that's, that's the same the, thing. Yeah, that's you're not abstaining the from using your system. Yeah. Yes, because none of the Star Wars films are it's sexy. His, it's his podcast, Matt. <sighs> it's his mm. rules. I Mutiny. Guess. There needs to be structure. There needs to be rules. Matt and I are doing a mutiny on Nick's podcast. This just in. Matt and Nicole going to take over real bad. Yeah. (laughs) There are very strict rules. Just one more thing you all have to do every week. No. (laughs) We both have other podcasts. Jar Jar Binks. That's what I'm saying. He is this movie. He is the sexiest this character. This movie is Jar Jar Binks because it's very problematic. <laughs> I mean, I would be really stressed out if this were my podcast as to how I would edit this. That's the thing. He doesn't. <laughs> you Problem say solved. That. I cut out like 30 minutes of the last podcast, so I don't want to hear it, Matt. <laughs> I'm abstaining from vote from from uh, from rating this on that scale. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey exists in a world that is not comparable to Star Wars. Fair. I'm, I, I don't I don't feel like it is in any way. Most of our films on here do because they're schlocky in some way or another. This is not that. It has its own uh, positives and negatives. So, it's its moving own on. Island. Yeah. Anyway. Time to move on to Real Good, where we uh, select a movie to hopefully get the taste of this movie out of your mouth, uh, and uh, something that is probably real good, although sometimes it's not even that good, but it's more fun. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Rachel, what is your real good that you're convinced I haven't seen? Oh, I know you haven't seen it, because you haven't talked about it. <laughs> it's uh, the Luca Guadagnino Suspiria. Mm. Oh, it's on my watch list. <laughs> I want to see it so bad. <laughs> It uh so halfway through I was like, wait, this is Dakota Johnson. I just watched a movie with her. <laughs> <laughs> like I forgot that who I was looking at, mm-hmm. and uh, Dakota Johnson is amazing in uh in Suspiria. the The movie itself is really weird, and um, I mean, it's Suspiria. It better be. It's. So I think I wanted to pick this because I think that they he, Luca w- went really in on the concept of like body horror and like it was kind of like I don't know there's just parts of it where it's like sexy but also horrifying but also right like dark and and then also Dakota uh, Johnson is in it, so I think that that is my real good for Excellent. this. It's a, uh, it's not romantic, but it is. Neither is Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Excellent. Nicole, what's your real good? I am also going to encourage people to go watch a better movie with Dakota Johnson in it. <laughs> uh, I. Uh, I watched Bad Times at the Al Royale uh, when I was home with my family and was surprised by how great it was. Like, it looked fun just from the trailer, but, like, it's a delight. And I have a slightly longer list of reasons why I would tie that movie to this movie, but it's things that are late in Bad Times at the... Yeah, they're spoilerish. Oh, I forgot she was in that movie, too. But, yeah. (laughs) She's just got, like, that face where it's like, oh, yeah, that's you. (laughs) She's great in that movie, too. Like, the the whole movie is delightful. She's fantastic. Uh, I highly recommend... Bad Times at the Al Royale. Excellent. Slash, if you watch it, tweet at me and we can talk about all the other parallels. <laughs> I would <laughs> like long, to talk about My long this list of you. ties. Okay, when you two get yes, yeah. afterwards. <laughs> all right, Matt, what's your real good? 
Uh, my real good is does not have Dakota Johnson in it. Boo! Boo. <laughs> uh, Get <but> out! <laughs> it does feature many shades of gray because it's a black and white movie. Oh, <laughs> no! Get out even more! <laughs> No, I like and it. You can it stay. also features a somewhat in retrospect uh, problematic spanking scene. Uh, no, I take it back. I get out. <laughs> it's a charming, funny, romantic movie starring Claudette oh, Colbert and Clark Gable yeah. called It Happened One Night. That's mm. a very fun, like, 30s, 40s, uh, like, romantic comedy, essentially. Yeah. But there's, there is one scene where he's, like, carrying her across a river, uh, and she says something, and he, like, playfully... Spanks her on the butt, and they're not at that point in their relationship where that's a thing that he should do to her. But it's that unfortunate of the times in movies. Mm-hmm. That's what spanking happened. Spanking is like one of my biggest pet peeves uh, when a man is spanking a woman. Like I think it started from when I watched I Love Lucy as a kid. Yeah, and, like, and that's of that automatically era that as, like being like. No, that's wrong. I don't like it. <laughs> it's very like infantilizing. Like just like hey, yeah, you are making your wife in a lot of these cases like like your child and spanking her because she has been bad. Well, it's and also an ownership thing. Absolutely, yes, but mainly yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, that. Yeah. But yes, that is one very very small moment in this. But film. Otherwise, everything else in this film is delightful. It. uh It's, it's the that ins- one small thing that links it. Yeah. To yeah. this movie. It's the inspiration for... Fifty Shades of Grey. No. <laughs> it was the inspiration for Bugs Bunny, Clark Gable in that film. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, him, he chews a carrot in that movie. Oh. And they were like, hey, we should make our rabbit do that. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, I have two. One is one that I'm not... It's not really a recommendation in terms of real good, because I haven't seen it in a long time, but it does deal with BDSM in a much more, I would say, fun way not not in a jokey way necessarily because it is about a journey of a person learning about BDSM and it's called Exit to Eden and it is uh, Dana Delaney uh, Dan Aykroyd Rosie O'Donnell it's a sort of a mid 90s caper that happens at a BDSM uh, holiday getaway place and um, one of the cops that goes there has to go undercover and learn about BDSM and it's a, it's an interesting movie. I can't really tell you if it's good or bad because it's been so long since I've seen it and, but I'd kind of like to go back and watch it now. But the one that I was thinking of the most for this is I really do like dark psychosexual thrillers uh, and so I'm going to recommend a Lynch film and uh, most of his films are dark psychosexual thrillers but I'm going to go with one that has a little bit more of a positive spin on the relationship and that is Mulholland Drive Um, Mulholland Drive has a wonderful relationship it's soured a bit uh, by a a major twist that happens but the build up to the, the third act climax in Mulholland Drive is sweet and powerful and uh and very, I think it feels very healthy um, until it doesn't anymore. But mm-hmm. it, but as it gets to that point, uh, it's quite impressive. And I think it's one of Lynch's best pieces of work. Um, and the acting is terrific and nuanced. It feels as though they're acting in different movies at times, but that's very purposeful when you see one of them go to an audition and completely change her acting style. It's really wonderful. And it's a trip of a movie. So check out Mulholland Drive if you if you haven't. Keeping in mind, it is kind of a scary movie. So I'd second that. That's a good movie. It's a good movie, right? <laughs> like it's. I feel like if you don't watch Lynch, that's a good place to start. 
like I feel like Mulholland Drive is the place to really sit down and start. Don't start with Eraserhead. Don't start with uh, Blue Velvet. Because I looked at Blue Velvet for this and I was like, oh, no, I can't talk about problematic. Oh, God. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, check out Mulholland Drive. Okay, well, that is going to wrap up this episode of Real Bad uh, in our month of Lerv. Next week, we'll be doing a musical, and I'm very excited about it. So, uh, yeah, join us because it's it's a movie I like, you guys, except it's real bad, but I like it. But before we uh, go away, Nicole, you have a podcast. Yeah, I do. I have a podcast called Snark Squad Pod. Uh, I also, again, have a website where we recapped all of these books. And I don't know, we probably said some problematic stuff ourselves in the early days when we first started doing it. But SnarkSquad.com, you should read all of our recaps because I think they're mostly pretty funny. I read one today and it was great. Also, I'm on Twitter at Sweeney Says. Excellent. Rachel, you have a podcast. (laughs) Yes, I have a podcast that I like to call a sister podcast to this one. (laughs) Uh, It's called Real Love with two E's. I do it with my partner in crime, Sam Schultz. Uh, And you can find that on all your podcatchers. And you could find our Twitter at Real Love Pod. Excellent. Matt, you also have a podcast. Have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, there's no shortage of audio entertainment from all of us here. Listen uh, to mine, too. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, yeah, I have a podcast called I Love It uh, that all three of these humans have been on. Woo. Uh, Nicole's episode is not out yet, uh, but it will be ooh, not when you're hearing this. Um but if you subscribe to the you, podcast. If you subscribe <laughs> to I Love It anywhere you find podcasts or follow on Twitter and Instagram at I Love It Podcast, you can find uh, Nicole's episode when it comes out in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going to be on again in the, the, oh, very, yeah. the very distant future. You just recorded your, yeah. your second episode of I Love It and will be on the week after Nicole. Something that I love so much, I don't think I was speaking clearly about it. So. I think it turned out great. Oh, great. Relatable. I haven't edited it Relatable yet. content. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching this weird movie with me. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to Real Bad, which is a part of the Cage Club Network. You can go to cageclub.me to check out more of our sibling podcasts, like The Contenders, where host Tobin and Island Addington talk about movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. You can follow Real Bad on Twitter and Instagram at RealBadPod. And if you like what we do here and want to help us out, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash realbad. And a big thanks to our Real Baddie patrons, Sarah Caroline, Candice, Black Duck Studios, and I Love It Podcast for supporting us. Next week, it's the musical, which I like, in the month of Lerve. But until then, this has been Real Bad. Real Bad.